Nuggets open training camp. Christian Brown was the best player in the gym over the summer. Reggie Jackson's a veteran now, taking on a leadership role. And, uh, well, the Lakers are, they seem real mad. This is Locked On Nuggets. You are Locked On Nuggets, your daily Denver Nuggets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked On Nuggets, your daily Denver Nuggets podcast, part of the Locked On Network, your team every day. Thanks for joining us and making us part of your day. Appreciate you guys being with us on a Wednesday. If you're listening to us on the podcast, Tuesday night, if you're joining us on the live show, you can join the live shows just by going to youtube.com slash Locked On Nuggets and tuning in there. Just turn on the subscribe and notifications button and you can join the chat segment. We've already got folks hopping in like David, he says he's finally up and can finally watch live. John P's hanging out with us. John E, what's with the Johns and the, and the letter here? Nicholas, Hurricane's back with us. Dragutin, lots of folks hanging out with us uh, on a Tuesday. Appreciate you guys being with us as we record this, the first training camp episode for Lockdown Nuggets for 2023-24. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network. I'm joined by Swipa. You can find me on Twitter at SwipaCam. Swipa, what's good, man? How you doing? No, it's been a really good day. I'm very excited. Training camp has started. Media day was a frenzy. Got a chance to meet Matt Moore in person. I got to tell y'all, man, Matt Moore is a good dude. Really good dude. Really good dude. So I'm really excited. It's going to be a going to be a really great season. Uh, I typically try and remind people that um, the well, I actually have other friends that tell everyone that ask about them about me in the industry. They're like, he's nothing like he is. Well, he's a little like he is on Twitter. But mostly he's not like he is on Twitter. He's a much nicer person than he is on Twitter. On today's show, we'll talk about training camp opening, all the news and notes out of there, the reports coming out about all sorts of things. We'll talk about Christian Brown and about how he is primed to take a leap. It sounds like Michael Malone has a lot of faith in his ability to do so. And the final segment, well, those Lakers, they are just a little bit in their feelings. So we'll talk about that on today's show. All right, let's get started. Let's talk about a little bit of training camp. So first practice of the day, just getting their feet wet, going through the motions, starting to install some stuff. They typically will just start kind of working into rotations and they'll start setting baseline principles for things in these next couple of days. Uh, if you're curious about like, well, what, what can you tell us about like what people saw there? You don't get to see anything. It's a real bummer. Most of the other sports, you actually get to watch practice, especially in training camp. Like you get to watch like, hey, let's watch everybody compete. And just you don't get to see almost any of that. They only let you in the last 15 minutes uh, because they're too paranoid about people seeing the same sets that they've been running for the last 10 years and that they'll be running for the next 10 years. But for whatever reason, it's a big deal to them. Um, Swipe, I will say like one of the things I think that really came out today was kind of the differences in like who's been around and who's been present over the summer. And we'll talk about Christian a little bit, but the other guy that's really kind of mentioned as, you know, in part a leader now for this team is Reggie Jackson. Um, Reggie wasn't necessarily Adam. And I both have reservations about Reggie Jackson's fit on the squad, just in terms of how he plays. I don't have, you know, there is a, I think a tendency to kind of be like, there's good players that fit on the nuggets. And then there's bad players that don't. And it's like, no, right. like, guys have different approaches but look reggie said everything you wanted to hear on media day and maybe he really did just need time to settle in um sounds like he's been really in the ears of the young guys and you know been kind of trying to be a leader he's was there all summer and was very excited to be in denver all summer obviously with the ties to the area um am i underselling it like is it possible that reggie jackson could be more for this team than what i kind of thought 
Yeah, I will also say that I did not project that Reggie Jackson was going to be a, a crucial member of the roster. I know that he was going to get first dibs at the backup point guard role. But again, you know, we saw Reggie at the end of last season. We saw him versus the Lakers for a short stint. A lot of people didn't have a lot of hope that he'd be able to elevate into a really solid job when they're starting in the backup role. And again, people were saying that Jalen Pickett uh, might end up being the answer to the backup point guard spot. So I think if anything, uh, what Reggie Jackson showed is that he cares about this perhaps more than anybody else uh, on the team that at least is not one of the starters. He has a actual buy-in to the city, a buy-in to the franchise that goes back decades. And that's why I think for him, this is very personal. And so I think because this is so personal, he wants to do a good job. He wants to make sure the second unit is manned correctly, that they're running the, the correct actions, that the culture of the second unit is healthy, that everyone is communicating. Because him and Justin Holiday talked about if you do the right things in this Denver Nuggets offense, you will get rewarded. And I think he really wants to be the leader of that second unit. And he doesn't want the play to drop off if Jamal Murray is not in the game, substantially to the point where the bench is crashing. Now, will he do it? That's another question. But I think he showed a clear desire and commitment to do the job to the best of his ability. So I honestly think Reggie Jackson could end up being better than any of us could have hoped. And maybe Reggie Jackson, remember that 2020, 2021 year, first of the Denver Nuggets, 28 and 12 in Denver. Maybe you can get some replications of what Reggie did that year. Yeah, and you know, I think it'll be interesting because you know he spent all his time working with the young guys, which I think is really good because they're going to be who he's running with for the most part, right? Um, yeah. You know, uh, Reggie Bullock was another was another guy. I've talked about all these veterans. I think the Nuggets probably should have at least taken a look at. He signed with Houston, and I'm like, yeah. and he probably just wanted to stay close to home, and I get that. But you know, I just continue to be like, man, it would be bad to have Reggie Bullock as like your eighth man instead of having to absolutely pin your hopes on these guys. Um, you know, I, I do think that Reggie can probably ease in because one of the things that the criticisms of him last year was kind of his tendency to shoot a lot when he was on the floor. I don't necessarily think that Reggie is like built that way. I don't think he's like a, I'm a score first mentality. It's never really kind of been what he's been in the league. I think it's more a matter of if you're still kind of getting used to the system and you're uncomfortable with teammates, that's what you know you can do. Like if you're a veteran in this league, you know how to get to these, those pull-up jumpers, um, which is honestly, it's, was kind of a problem for some of their backup point guards in the past is the inability to do that. So um, Reggie having more comfort with these guys playing with them more like the offense is still probably going to struggle, but also, you know, you want to have, I think the backup point guard be able, if there are minutes where Jamal's not on the floor or games and Nicola's not on the floor, like those are the minutes where you really need individual shot creation because that's what they struggle with is they've had guys that could kind of, compliment and and fill their roles but they had nobody who could kind of initiate and leverage the defense and that's something that reggie jackson can do so maybe we are uh there's there's maybe a good at least a good start you know for reggie jackson um i think with what he's the work that he's put in to be part of this team i think you have to to credit him like that and given how many good stories have come out of the nuggets culture over the last year uh, I'm a little bit more optimistic than I was about Reggie. Do you think Reggie can have uh, a little bit better than passable defensive play this upcoming season? Yeah, I think Reggie, honestly, I think Reggie, he was really good for the Clippers in 2021. Um, that run with the Clippers where they would have made the finals had Kawhi not gotten hurt. I think they would have beaten the Suns. Um, Reggie was really good defensively in that series and yeah. that, that playoff run. Um, he's still savvy. He still gives, I think, a high level of effort. He's still limited in terms of his, his, 
uh, some of his ability and instinct. Yeah. He'll get caught off ball sometimes, but in general, like, yeah, I think that he can be, I don't look at Reggie as like a weakness to pinpoint on the second mm-hmm. unit. And actually it's one of the biggest advantages, honestly, of the second unit is I don't think there's a weak point. There's nobody you can really target on that second unit. There's nobody to really put in. And with the way that the Nuggets have figured out how to play together in the starters, it's hard to do that yeah. with the starters as well. Like not having those liabilities, I think is a, a, a very big part of what makes them good. It's one of the things that I think we're gonna have to keep an eye on with the, the young guys, both Hunter Tyson and Jalen Pickett. And, you know, we'll see with Julian Strother. I think he's got the athleticism to maybe fit, but rookies tend to make mm-hmm. mistakes. Um, those are the kind of things you have to watch out for is whether or not those guys can get targeted, you know? Yeah. I think the thing is with the second unit, Matt, that I'm, I think for the Denver Nuggets and what they need, offense is already going to be elite. I think that the second unit has to be full of guys that you can put on the court and defensively, they always have something to fall on. So even last year, remember, they were not a good offensive bench at all. But when they ran the lineups with Bruce Brown, with Jamal Murray, and they somehow had Christian Brown or KCP with Zeke Najee or whatever the lineup variation was, they were always able to fall back on being able to play switch defense. Mm-hmm. And so if the bench is able to do that, I think that's more important than them figuring things out offensively because you just need them not to bleed points when they're on the court together. So if Reggie can somehow – help that five-man unit or whoever the variation of the bench to be able to do that at a good enough level, then, man, that's a win for the Nuggets. And, again, let me ask you this. Do you think with Reggie Jackson leading the bench as opposed to what Bones Highland did to start the year off, do you think that the bench will perform better than it did to start the year last year? I'm not willing to say that. It's such a low bar, though. Like, right. you know, I, I, I get so worried about – about young guys, but the bar is literally like minus six, you know, it's like, yeah, all you got to do is lose those minutes by four points and you're, and you're still an improvement. So, um, you know, I'll say, I'll say, yeah, just based off of, I think Christian Brown's going to be a big impact. And we can talk about why, Mm -hmm. uh, on the other side, when we return on locked on nuggets, but first I tell you about Ibotta. The holidays are getting here pretty soon, even though, you know, we got Halloween coming up and then Thanksgiving. And then what do you know? It's Christmas, which means you might have a long list of gifts that you need to buy. We buy our gifts really early around these parts. So we've got them all stashed away. Don't just spend money on everyone else without getting anything in return. Use Ibotta to start getting cash back today. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods. So you can make sure that you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. Link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and get your cash back. It's just that easy. The average Ibotta user earns $100 per year. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip. Other apps give you points that don't amount to much. But with Ibotta, you get real cash back. You can cash out to your bank account, PayPal, or gift cards. You can earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers, too, when you start with Ibotta, including Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. Download the Ibotta app now and use code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, to start earning real cash back. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use code LOCKED. That's I-B-O-T-T-A, Ibotta, in the Google Play or App Store, and use code LOCKED. We'll be right back on Locked on Nuggets. Back here on Locked On Nuggets. Thanks for joining us, making us part of your day. Appreciate you guys being with us on a Tuesday. Matt Moore and Swipe hanging out with, with you. Uh, so Swipe, the other kind of piece of news today was Christian Brown, who Michael Malone said was the best player in the gym over the summer. That's pretty strong words given like they got a lot of talented dudes. And so Christian is being asked, obviously, a lot this season. Um, part, you know, 
Calvin Booth has been been pretty clear, which is they're going to have to have a lot of guys to replace what Bruce did last year, but that Christian Brown is a big part of that. Like Christian mm-hmm. can't do everything that Bruce did. He's not going to be the lead ball handler. He's not going to be point guard. But the other stuff that he did, Christian will be a big part of that. And the refinement of Christian's game opens the door for him to be more effective. Um, let me kind of ask you this. If if I want to look, work backwards from like the negative to the positive, if this doesn't work out, because everyone's got a high level of confidence in Christian, if we're sitting there a month in the season and being like, you know, the stuff with the leap that we kind of expected from Christian isn't really there. Why would we say that? Like, what's the thing that's missing missing? from Christian Brown's game that the Nuggets need from him this season. If we're saying that there's something that isn't working a month into the season. Yeah. I think number one, there wasn't a marginal to good playmaking leap for Christian Brown as a ball handler this year. I think they talked about this multiple times about putting the ball in his hands more. Uh, And on top of that, if he's not creating at a high enough level to create offense for the bench. Then he's also not shooting and making his spot up three point shots at a high enough level to make him an offensive threat. Therefore you basically have a negative player who's a positive defender. And if you look at the bench construction, they need him to be a positive offensive player more often than not. So if Christian doesn't, develop the playmaking chops and also if not able to hit some shots at a high enough level to force the defense to have to at least adjust and bend to his gravity as a shooter, then I think that's going to put a lot of strain on the offense. Because basically they're going to say, we're going to leave him open. And then on top of that, he's not able to create enough uh, for other people. And so again, I think a lot of his creation on that is going to come from his rim pressure. He's not Bruce in the same level of explosion, but he's similar in that he gets to the rim very quickly. And when he gets there, he comes with an aggression that can get a lot of foul calls his way. And so I think if he's not utilizing that athleticism in that way, I think that's actually going to be to the team's detriment. I think a lot of it for him is the difference in this, in when he's in, in there with Nicola and not because it's two different offenses. And I've talked a lot about that in the past. I think a lot of it for him is going to be, the shooting is going to be there. I think when he's on the floor with Nicola, like they showed in the finals, what can happen if you, over pressure on him and he's able to punish you with drives and then kickbacks to Jokic. Like those possessions were huge in terms of him being a playmaker off of the cut, but you're still going to have situations where teams are just going to flat out dare him, especially in the regular season. Um, the book on him is going to be like, you could not a good shooter. You can leave him, you can leave him open to shoot just because of the percentage guys are going to see the number and they're going to be like, okay. So in order for him to take that next step, there's like a layering that, that happens here, right? Where, if he's consistently making corner threes, guys will close out on him. If they're consistently closing out on him, that allows him to pump fake and drive. If he's able then to punish them with a floater, because sometimes he does get a little, little reckless. If he's forced to move to the middle, if he's just not able to go baseline and get right to the rim for a dunk, it can get a little dicey. If he's able to add in a floater or a short jumper moving to the middle, that means that you're going to have to bring more help over. Now you've, you've not just broken one layer of defense. Yeah. You've broken two. You've forced help off of your initial defender as well. So like they've helped, they've recovered. That's broken down. The help defender now is there. And that allows Christian to then make another play. That's easier. I think with Nicola, just because he's got such good hands, you can always just pass it back to the big guy and he'll take care of it. When Joker's not on the floor, a lot of it is going to be about harnessing that aggression because he was really good about driving with explosiveness to the rim, but he would get hung up in the air because a lot of, and this happens for a lot of rookies is you're surprised that, okay, I'm jumping and they're going to fall and I'll be above them. And Oh no, 
they're more athletic than even I am. Oh God. And you see like a lot of those kind of panic possessions and those lead to turnovers. Those are the things that he's really going to, I think, cut down on is just the possessions where he's trying to be aggressive, which is good, but he's not able to finish over. You either have to be so explosive with your training and your development physically that you just finish through them, or you've got to be able to, to read those and anticipate and be able to make the play ahead of where the defenders and be able to anticipate what they're going to do. And that helps when the game slows down for guys coming into their second season. Yeah. And also too, Matt, I think there's not a lot of play creators with the bench and Reggie Jackson is it. And Jalen Pickett is not going to play right away. So I think that's the other side of this too. So if Jamal Murray's not in the game and Reggie Jackson's there, if you have one play creator on the roster that's playing with the five man unit, that's a lot of stress to put on a singular ball handler. And so if he's the only one that can work those actions, then I just don't trust that it's going to work. But again, if Christian, based on what we've seen from his development and some of the film, based on what we're hearing about him in camp, if he's able to develop as a play creator and to be able to play make at that level, again, creating opportunity for other for other people, that is how you win a lot of these matchups. And so I'm really looking forward to seeing him do that because again, he's going to have to, but then the team is going to be so much better if he's able to do that. Zeke Naji is a play finisher. He needs Christian to be able to play make at a decent level. You're going to have players like Peyton Watson. So I think Peyton's going to develop into a play creator, but in a half-court offense, I don't know how much he's going to be able to do that. Transition, yes. Half-court, no. So I think Zeke Naji, Peyton Watson, and other players are going to be playing with him. I think the better he is at creating those opportunities, I think everyone's going to kind of figure their role out. And I think they'll play better together. On the other side, the Los Angeles Lakers, well, they're, they are not happy. You know, they're, those mean old nuggets are not being nice. We'll talk about what, what, what that could mean for the nuggets and why revenge could be coming on the night that they get their rings. All that and more on the other side on Locked on Nuggets. Back here on Locked On Nuggets. Thanks for joining us and making this part of your day. Appreciate you guys being with us on a Tuesday. Matt Moore and Swipo with you. Uh, so we didn't get to talk about this on, on the media day thing. We decided to save it for Swipo and I. Um, the the Lakers are big mad. Um, it's, it's funny to me because the way it's being framed, right? So like today there was a follow-up with Austin Reeves who met with the media after practice. And they asked him, have the Lakers heard the Nuggets chirping since they won the championship? Okay. Malone had the thing for sure at the parade, but like the Nuggets otherwise haven't really said anything like that. To be honest with you, like you're just another team that they beat. Like mm. if you ask the Nuggets, if you ask the, if you ask Nuggets, who was the toughest team that they faced? They're going to say they were all tough in different ways. If you gave them truth serum, if you got them off record, and I haven't asked them, but I'm just telling you right now what I believe. I believe if you got them off record and you asked them, hey, who was the toughest team that you actually faced? They would tell you it was the Minnesota Timberwolves because it's a matchup thing. Like the Wolves brought size at every single possession and the Wolves defended really well and the Wolves have ant. And the Lakers had 38-year-old LeBron James trying to carry a team on his back while they, his their coach decided to play Austin Reeves at small forward when the Nuggets have two dudes at 6'8 or taller in those positions. They've dwarfed them in size. And then Anthony Davis, the supposed best defender on the planet, guy absolutely moved through like water. So, like, it wasn't... They hung. 
they they got all those moral victories for sure. If we look at it, if we count moral victories, the series is is like four three. But in in terms of actually wins and losses, that series wasn't very hard for them, even though the games were close. Um, Anthony Davis had stuff like they're talking about, like yeah, we've got it circled and all these types of yeah. Him like, and LeBron have been having conversations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've talked about it. I'll start here. Um, do you think the Nuggets will match the supposed intensity from LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and the Lakers on ring night uh, over this in this little uh, dispute? I don't think the Nuggets are motivated by the Lakers like that. I think they, I think they climbed that mountain, and I think they they overcame that mountain in the Western Conference Finals. I think their motivation is going to be them playing at a high level. But you also heard like them talk about that, like playing their best basketball and them getting better. So they want to come and execute at a high level to open the season up. So I think that mysticism is just dead. But in respect to LeBron, obviously, you know, one of the greatest players of all time, top two for me. I think that like they are more of an idea as currently constructed right now than they are a reality in terms of a threat to the Nuggets in the Nuggets mind. And so I think the comments by Vic Lombardi uh, be, Michael Malone being a Lakers daddy, Michael Malone making fun of LeBron James's comments about, you know, pseudo retiring with the Pat McAfee show, you know, and then obviously Bruce Brown saying, you know, all the stuff he was saying about D'Angelo Russell and, you know, Michael Malone talking about D'Angelo Russell and the presser basically leaking the strategy. So, yeah, there's a lot of dialogue that went into that series. But most of the pushback that Malone had even was the fact that the media was hyping up the fact that Rui Hachimura was somehow going to be the solution to stopping Nikola Jokic from getting a 30-20-10 and 10 triple-double and then the game two of the Western Conference Final. And then on the other side, when they're up 2-0, hey, they got to go back to L.A. You got to win in L.A. I believe LeBron James, that secret stuff, Michael's secret stuff is going to get the job done. So I think that's what it was. It was just more so making fun of the fact that the media just couldn't accept that this team is just not on the same level as the Lakers. And even, and you know that, I love Wendy. I love Wendy. Wendy went on the, on, on the first take the next day, so that was one of the closest sweeps in NBA history. I'd never heard that before, Matt. Never. I've never heard that before. So, again, I think all the stuff that Malone and Vic was talking about had to do with that stuff, but Jokic hadn't said anything. Murray hadn't said anything. Gordon, MPJ. I've never seen a non-star not have anything to say, and somehow that becomes the headline. Uh, I have a book signed by Dave McMenamin. I've known Dave since 2008. I asked him to be part of something when he was working at NBA.com that I was doing on the first blog I started. Um, I love Dave. Dave's a really good dude. Um, the the Nuggets? Denver? Denver? You know, so that, that this is like the whole thing is just the conversation. And now it's like... Can't AD says can't wait to play the Nuggets. I can't wait for you to play more than 60 games, my man. Like, let just try and be healthy for the game. Like, let's start start there. Like, just just be healthy and then make like a jumper. And then you can go from there, you know. Because don't worry, you're gonna play some small team in the next week and you're gonna dunk on them and flirt. Forgot you had this thing with Anthony Davis. <laughs> and, and do all those things. Um, and it's great. I just personally, I don't really like, look, not a Nuggets fan. I'm just telling you the Nuggets don't like they're not. You can beat them on on opening night and it doesn't change anything. And that goes back to most of these matchups that we've seen where there's oftentimes rematches on the opening night. And it doesn't mean that that team can't get back to the finals. Um, 
like consistently we've seen that be kind of a pattern. And so like how you do on that first night doesn't dictate how things go the rest of the season. And you can't get even after that, you know, I'm sure they'll feel like it because they're going to feel superior because it's the Lakers. But I do think that um, it's interesting to see this franchise. It's just a weird, weird role reversal, right? Like how long has it been that like the Lakers were the team that the, the Nuggets could never like really get on the level of, it right. wasn't a rivalry because like the Lakers would never consider the Nuggets a rival, but like you're openly admitting now that you have like, you're, you're pretty mad that they not only beat you, but swept you and moved through your supposed top 75 player. Like he was nothing for four games. I I'm a little surprised that this franchise that's supposed to be so far above it is, is this bothered? Well, I think it's the narrative, though. I think it's the fact that the Lakers feel that – Matt, again, you got to – I know you remember the season. Remember, they made all those trades after the trade deadline. The Lakers had the number one defense post-All-Star break. They were one of the top three teams in the NBA post-All-Star break. If they play the Nuggets, it's lights out in round one. Yeah. LeBron James is healthy. Anthony Davis, best defender in the playoff. Have you seen Rui Hachimura? Have you seen Lonnie Walker? Have you seen Austin Reeves? Again, that's what all – leading into the Western Conference Finals, and you heard NBA Today and them saying that, hey, Lakers are here. I, I think they're the biggest threat to win the NBA championship. Uh, who was it? Was it Howard Beck that picked the Lakers uh, to win it because he felt like they were the most complete team? Again, this was all on air. And then they ended up running into a seven-foot Serbian man that knew nothing about these supposed rumors of the Lakers winning this series, and then next thing you know, uh, it was lights out. So... I think that the funny thing about all this is Anthony Davis is talking about like excited to play and all this stuff. They have a massive problem in the middle of their floor and is that they can do nothing with the dude in the middle named Joker. And at the end of the day, I think that's just going to be the linchpin. It's a, they no longer have LeBron at his apex. That's better than everybody else. Yeah. They just don't. Yeah. The Nuggets do. I mean, you know, even to that point, you know, Dave had a, had a really good story uh, on Monday that talked about how, like it was LeBron saying that Anthony Davis is the face of the franchise. Now that like, he's now the guy that with LeBron at his point in his age, um, that there's that he's the new guy. Like that's the story from Dave McMenamin from media day. Um, he's the face of the franchise. LeBron told LeBron about 80. So, you know, my response there would be they had a good run. You know, it's too bad that everything comes to an end, but that just kind of shows you. you, do, you uh, so do you do you don't think the Lakers are going to be one of the? I don't know. So I'll be really honest with you. So I did the I did the win total analysis on them, and I don't really have a play on them for the over or the under. Uh, the problem is essentially this: is that if I look at their resume from March through May when they got eliminated. Right. Um, how many games did they get eliminated in the Western Conference Finals again? Swipe how many games was it? Four? Wow, gosh. Um, through in that stretch, I can pick apart their schedule. Like they face the Warriors without Curry, and they face the Grizzlies without Ja. But I can do that with almost any any team. Mm -hmm. And then when we get into the playoffs, 
they face the Grizzlies without Steven Adams and Brandon Clark. And if I'm loading up on the Lakers, the number one thing I want is size. We saw what the Nuggets did to them when they had size. When you're missing two key front court players and you're having to start Xavier Tillman, who, by the way, played pretty well in that series, it puts you behind the eight ball. And like that team was falling apart anyway. And Dylan was way out in front of, he was writing checks that his mouth with his mouth that he couldn't cash. And all of these things kind of went wrong. Then they faced the Warriors who came off of a seven game series with the Kings. And because I follow this stuff, I know that teams that go seven games, their success rate in the next round is like 30%. Like mm. if you have to go seven, it bolds very badly for how you're going to do the next round. Um, but a Lakers fan would be like, you can do that with any team. And they're right. Um, the Wolves were not fully healthy. By the end of that series, they had Carl, uh, Kyle Anderson was missing time. They had all the stuff going on. Cat had only been back a short amount of time. The Suns, you had Chris Paul and DeAndre Aiden get hurt in that series. And I, you and I would agree that it would have ended the same way. But this is what I'm talking about is you can't, you can hyper contextualize this stuff and remove it. But I just don't know how a team starting D'Angelo Russell being a championship contender in 2023 still makes me a little bit nervous. Um, if some of the signings don't work out, I'm still a little concerned. I like, I like the roster's good, but I don't know that it's like great. And that's kind of the question here is just like, that's the margin. I don't really know how to see how good do you think, how good do you think the Lakers will be this year? Well, I think everything comes down to health. You know, I think LeBron uh, is going to be 39 December 30th, Matt. Can you believe it? He'll be 39 years old December 30th. Anthony Davis is turning 30 this season. Um, they're their best two players. One of them, aging body. One of them is doing something no one has ever done in the history of sports, basically. Um, so a lot of this is just like they're just older at the top, and they're not as built at the top with the stuff that you need, I think, to win high-level playoff game. Now, regular season, if they're if they're available, I think they can be a top-four seed, top-five seed. I don't know if they're going to want to play that hard every single yeah. matchup, but I think they'll be at least a top-six seed. But at the end of the day, I think there are some flawed teams that they'll play in the playoffs that I think they can win and they can beat. But at the end, I don't know if they can beat the Nuggets. I don't know if they can beat the Suns. Because this still, Matt, this is everything, every time a conversation about the Lakers is based on this idea of LeBron James. It's this idea that the same LeBron James you saw in 2018 is somehow available. So he's going to be 39 at the end of this season with over 40,000 points and going in one first round, second round, third round in the Western Conference. This at the very worst could be OKC. This is the very worst. At the worst, at the worst, could be the Warriors or the Kings or Memphis. And then at the top, it's going to be Nuggets or Suns or Warriors. That's a lot. That is a lot to ask for a 39-year-old who, again, is still the best player of the roster. You know, I, I, I'm sympathetic to LeBron because of what he showed in that last game. Like, he just gave right. so much in that game. You know, like, dude's down 3-0, could have packed it in. And he really did. Like, he went completely for it. And I thought he played great that game. You know, it's a shame that he didn't get any help consistently in that series. Just didn't. Only had, you know, well, I, I take that well, back. Austin, Austin Reeves averaged 23 points a game, yeah. Austin Reeves shot pretty well. He shot really well from three. So Austin showed up. There's another guy that's supposed to be good on that roster, but I don't remember his name. So uh, that's going to do it for Locked On Nuggets. Thanks for joining us on a Tuesday. Hope you guys have yourselves a great week. We'll be back tomorrow with more reaction from training camp as we get started. First game next week.
we got less than a week before you have Nuggets basketball back in your lives. Uh, we'll be here to cover it all. You can follow Swipe on Twitter at Swipe Cam. I'm at HP Basketball. We'll see you guys again next time on Locked on Nuggets.